ahead and finish our, our series this morning on There Are No Outsiders. We're actually on week number four. And uh, so we're going to finish that up. We're going to be in Matthew, the 14th chapter this morning. And we're going to kind of bring this all to a close, um, kind of put a bow uh, on the package, if it were, as it were. And uh, we're going to look at that this morning. So we're going to start again in Matthew 14. We're going to start actually in verse number 10. ...of Matthew 14, and we're going to read through verse number 21. So it's a little bit that we're going to be looking at, but I, I think it's important that we cover all of this. We're going to start kind of in, a, in a, the finishing of a story, uh, and then move into one uh, as well that kind of goes in together. So we're, again, we're going to start here, Matthew 14, verse number 10, it says this, "...so John was beheaded in prison." This is John the Baptist here. "...and his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl." Who took it to her mother? That's, that's another story. If you want to hear a little bit more about that, um, you can obviously read about it in the first part of chapter 14. We're not going to be focusing on that, but I did want to kind of finish that part of the story. Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened. Now we're going to move into a new story, and basically it starts here with verse number 13. As soon as Jesus heard the news... He left in a boat to a remote area to be alone, but the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. And But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up towards heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up twelve baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. Let's pray. Father, I need you. Father, you, you are so good. And Father, you love us so much. And Father, you don't want this morning to be a morning where things don't change in people's lives. Father, it's not that you change us because you don't like us or because you don't love us. You change us because you love us. Because you desire for us to be more like you. And so, Father, I pray that my words would cease and that yours would begin. Father, I pray that, Father, you would come right now. And you would just begin to prepare our hearts for the message that you have laid on my heart to share. Father, that it would be a message that would be something that could change us and make us more like you in every way, shape, and form. We love you and we thank you for all that you are and all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been talking about the last month on this idea of there being no outsiders. And now we've discussed that, we've looked at that, and now it comes to the point where this is more of the application message. This is more, okay, now, now that we've talked about all this stuff, where do we go from here? What do we do from here? And through these two stories, one kind of ending and then connecting to the next, we're going to kind of figure out what we need to do. This is going to be kind of a something that we can use as we move out and move forward because one of the things I've learned about outsiders is they're outside. That's not real deep. I understand that, but it's something that we need to understand. 
we need to be able to leave this place and go out to them and make a difference. If all we do is take these things and go, wow, that was great, or wow, that was nice, or wow, that was nice, uh, if we don't actually do anything with it, then we're kind of wasting the, the, the stuff we learned. We need to be able to take what we've learned and what God wants to show us and then actually apply it to our lives. So this message is somewhat that. It is basically the application of the last three weeks. Do we understand? So let's start and let's look at our story here really quickly. The first thing that we need to understand is basically in the story, John the Baptist has been killed. He has had his head removed from his shoulders and in a really twisted, weird way, I'm glad the kids are now downstairs, uh, basically his head is served to someone on a platter. Jesus hears about this, and he's very upset about it. And basically, as we move from that story into the story that most of us know, the story of the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus has withdrawn himself away. Now, now, theologians aren't quite sure why he's done this. Some people will argue that basically, at this point, Jesus is concerned that basically Herod is going to come after him. Obviously, it's not his time, and so he withdraws. Other theologians believe that basically Jesus is very upset about this situation and he is going away to pray and mourn for John the Baptist. I tend to believe the second. I believe that Jesus knows what's coming. He knows what the plan is, but he's now hurting as human and as a man and he's hurting for his friend and his cousin who has just been killed. So he removes himself away to pray. He's done this a lot of times and he's kind of going off to mourn. And that's where we kind of pick up the story. As Jesus does this, he gets and he's heading out on this boat. And as he's doing this, as the boat is coming into the dock, there is a large crowd of people waiting for him. They're waiting for him to come. And this is a beautiful portion of scripture because I think we can miss this if we're not paying attention to it. But this is what it says in verse number 14. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. The first thing I want to talk about in our, as our application is this. You need to understand this is point number one. Jesus saw this moment not as an inconvenience or burden, but as an opportunity. He didn't see this as a burden or as inconvenience, but an opportunity. You've got to understand here what's going on as we look here in verse number 13 and 14. It says, Jesus heard the news. He left the boat, or left in a boat to a remote area, but the crowds heard where he was, and then they came. Basically, what we have to understand here is Jesus here is mourning. Jesus here is not happy. Jesus here is going through those emotions that all of us would have if someone we cared about died. And not just died, but died a very horrible, horrific death. And so he's trying to get away. He's trying to spend some time away to mourn and to be with his father. And so he gets away and he's thinking, okay, this is great. I'm on my boat. I'm on my way. And basically as the boat comes onto the shore, there are people literally already there waiting for him to come. Now I want you to think about where you would be at that moment. Because I don't know about you, but I would probably be like, you know what, guys? I need a break. You know what? I am upset right now. You don't understand what's happened to me. I don't really care at this particular bubble what's happening with you, but I just care about what's happening with me. And Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't look at this as an inconvenience or a burden. He sees an opportunity. The word says that Jesus sees them and he has compassion on them. And he heals their sick. Remember, he's trying to get away. He's trying to just spend a little time away. Now, you need to understand something here. I am not saying that there isn't times in our lives where we need to take time away and rest and refresh. There are those moments. 
And we have to take advantage of those and hear God's calling on those. But in this moment, it was not the time for Jesus. Now you would say, well, why not? I don't know why not. I don't know why Jesus didn't basically say, look, guys, I'm spent. I'm tired. I just saw this happen. But instead, he sees this moment and he goes, man, I can make a difference in these individuals' lives. Now, I want you to stop and I want you to think about your own life. Because to have this type of attitude, to have this understanding, you're going to have to have a mind shift. And that mind shift is going to be this. You're going to have to stop always thinking of yourself and your situation and your circumstances and be able to, in turn, focus on others and their situation and even more so have compassion in that moment. Now, that's tough for us. Society tells us the opposite. Society says we need to worry about us. We need to worry about what's going on with us. Let them take care of them and we'll take care of ourselves. And that's the way it is. But Jesus doesn't do this here. If we're going to follow his example, if we're going to be willing to reach out to those that are on the outside, we're going to have to understand it's probably not going to happen in a most convenient moment. You're not going to be sitting there more than likely. Now, this happens. Awesome. That's great. But more than likely, this isn't going to happen. You are not going to say to your wife or husband, hey, sweetheart, what's going on? Not too much. Listen, I got about two hours. Oh, that's great. I got nothing going on, which is crazy to begin with because that's never happening. I got two hours. I got nothing going on. I'm going to go down to the coffee shop. Or I'm going to go down to the park or wherever you like to go. And I am going to sit down. And at that moment, five people are going to walk up to me and say, I don't know who you are, but you have just this angelic glow around you. Would you please tell me about your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Now, if that happens to you, please let me know because you'll be the first person I've ever met that's had that happen. Now, you say, well, somebody walked with me once. I said, five people, okay, five. You get four and five. Five is my favorite number, so that's why I went with five. That doesn't happen. You know what happens for me? Now, maybe you're different. To me, it's when everything else in my life is going crazy. It's where the car's broken down, Easton's upset, I've got allergies. It's just a mess. And all of a sudden, that's when I'm sitting there, and God taps me on the shoulder and says, see that person? And then I go, no, I really don't. And he goes, yeah, you do. I said, no, I really don't. Yeah, you do. Go, go speak to him. Go spend time with him. Go say something nice to him. Put your arm around him. But God, 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 that's not really convenient for me right now. Yeah, it isn't. But maybe that's the moment God's called that moment to be. Maybe that is the moment that we have to get away from the thought of ourselves and focus in on somebody else. Jesus was able to do that. He was able, even in his morning, even in his moment where he just really probably just needed to be alone. And he saw them, had compassion on them, and acted on it and healed their sick. Those people needed him in that moment. And here's the, here's, here's the amazing part of this. Because God chooses to use us, there are people in your life right now, and there's people that you don't know that are going to come in your life right now that need you. Well, Aaron, Aaron don't they need Jesus? Yes, yes, I, I, I agree with that, and I know that. But God wants to use you to bring Jesus to them. What an amazing thought. 
What a humbling thought. What a thought that goes, oh my goodness. What a thought that drives me to saying, you know what? I probably need to be a little less concerned with my world and maybe a little more concerned with everybody else's. Jesus was able to do that. And you know what, guys? It's probably sometimes, hopefully not all the times, but it will come in an inconvenient moment. It will come probably in that moment where you go, oh, but I have this going on. And if we can take that moment, and we can even in the midst of our situation, and make a difference in their lives, what an amazing story. What an amazing situation. Because here's what's awesome about that. The story doesn't end here. We get to continue on. We get to not just see Jesus healing their sick, but now we get to see something amazing take place. Because Jesus didn't look at it as an inconvenience. He looked at it as an opportunity for people's needs to be net met and for God's glory to be shown. What an amazing thing. The second thing, God will always give us what we need to do what he has asked us to do. Look at Matthew 14, 15, and 16. So now we're moving in. He's healed the sick, and evening has come. It says, that evening the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. Now we know, we'll maybe talk about this a little bit later. We know there's 5,000 men. We know that. The Bible tells us that. We do not know how many women and children there were. As I looked at this this week, I saw estimates anywhere from total amount of people, 15 to 20 thousand people. We don't know. A bunch of people. And they're hungry. It's night. They have been there all day long, listening to Jesus, having Jesus heal them, doing amazing things, and the disciples have realized, hey, it's time to eat. These people are hungry. Let's send them away to buy food. And Jesus looks at them, and I can just see this in my mind. I don't know if this is how it happened, but just in my how I kind of see this. I can just see Jesus saying, in just a straight face, deadpan, no problem. Not necessary. You feed them. And having the disciples at this moment flip out. We see this story again in John 6. And we actually see the response of the disciples. And they're going, we, we, we could have a month's wages wouldn't pay, wouldn't pay for the food to feed all these people. What are you talking about? And they begin to just go crazy. Like, what are we going to do? Jesus has just spoken. This is the Son of God. And he's basically looked at us and said, you do it. Now. What do we do in that moment? What do we do in the moment where our world, as we look at it, I mean, you, you think about our world today. Our world today is, is not a place that we look at and go, whoo, everything's going great. I mean, our world in some ways are, are just, uh, the culture and, and the society, they're, they're falling apart. People are going at each other for stuff. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. And basically, it's like we're in that moment where the disciples, where we look at Jesus and we go, Jesus, do something. you got to fix it. This is going crazy. And Jesus looks at us all and goes, you feel. 
I've had that moment with Jesus before. That is, is a very, for me at least, that was a very punch-in-the-gut moment where I looked at God and I said, but God, there are 5,000 people here. I got nothing. But one thing we have to remember is Jesus will always provide what we need to do what he's asked us to do. You've got to understand that. Because if you don't, you'll look at the crowd, you'll look at the hugeness, and you'll sit on your hands, and you will do nothing. Because it seems too big. If God has asked you to do something, he will equip you to do it. You've got to understand this. It is not your strength, it is not your intelligence, it is your willingness to do what God has asked you to do. That's what God is after. God is not after the smartest. He's not after the prettiest. He's not after the most talented. He is after a heart that will look at him and say, God, whatever I got is yours. And I know you'll use it for your kingdom and your glory. And so they come up with this idea, hey, we got five loaves and two fish. In John, it actually records the idea that it's a little boy's lunch. The little boy comes up and he's got five loaves and two fish. And from that, God is able to come and multiply and do amazing things. Because they were willing to understand something. Jesus is going to ask us to do things as individuals and as a church. And he will provide what we need to do those things. Do you understand what I just said? Because I'll, I'll, I'm just gonna, this is me, okay? You got to understand, this is me. Okay, we, get a, we have a board meeting. I'll, I'll let you in behind the curtain, okay, of a board meeting here, okay? I'm sorry to all the board members that, if, that have served or, or are serving, and, and maybe I do it differently than others, but, but let, me pull, let me pull back the curtain. Full disclosure, okay, so you know. We get together, we pray, and then Dave comes, and he's got this piece of paper. It's the financial report. Okay? And we look through the finances and, and we, with a, with a very fine tooth comb, we begin to look at things and try to, and, and, you know, and we're looking and, and basically I'm looking through it and I'm seeing all this stuff and then I usually like to go to the last page. Okay? The last page. And, and the because la I'm kind of simple. Okay? I'm kind of simple like this. I want to see one thing. Okay? Is that number on the last page when it comes from expenses and income? Then there's one more one. If that number is in black, I am a happy camper. Okay? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just full disclosure. If it's red, even if it's a dollar in the red, I get a little disappointed. I do. That's just the way my mind works, okay? I, I want to be a good steward with what God has given us and your faithfulness, okay? I want to be wise in those things. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. And I look at that and I see that red or I'll, I'll see that black and I'll go, oh, good, 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 good. You know what, though? You know what I need to understand? You know what I need to understand? God's power, God's plan is not determined by whether that is black or whether it's red. Okay? One thing I have to learn 
and that we probably have to learn together is God is not limited by that number. Okay? You need to understand something. The money will always follow the ministry. If God says you are to do this, we are to do that. And God will provide. He will provide. Not he might provide. No, no. He will provide. Jesus said this to these men. He said, you feed them because he knew he had five, or two lo- five loaves and two fish. Because he knew he was going to multiply those things. Because he knew there was going to be 12 baskets left over. And because he knew there was going to be an amazing miracle. When Jesus said, you feed them, he knew what he was going to do and he was going to provide. God is not going to look at us as individuals in a church and basically say, you do it, now you're on your own. Because if we did it that way, we're in trouble. Sometimes we need to understand that our God is big enough and we have to change our mindset. We have to be willing to understand that because if we don't, the crowd will seem too big, the need will seem too great, and we will do nothing. I don't want to do nothing. God has not called us to do nothing as individuals and as a collective body. And yes, it's going to seem hard. It's going to seem big. It's going to seem how in the world are we going to be able to accomplish this? Because God has commanded us to do it and God will provide us the ability to do it in every way, shape, and form. Now, he may do it differently than we understand. We may want him to do it this way, and he does it this way. And trust me, this way is not as good as his way. But we're going to trust that we're going to be equipped to do what God has asked us to do. And it's time that we, okay, start believing that. That I start believing that. But Aaron... Look at, stop, okay, let's stop, look around, okay, look, look around, look, this means physical activity, yes, look around. I mean, look, it's, it's real easy to go, how can we make a difference? How can we do anything? Because God has commanded us to do so and we're going to. Do I know how? No, I don't. I don't have all the plans. I wish I could just say, here's the next 10 years and every... I don't have that. All I know is that God has called us to do something big. All I know is that God has said, you've got to be open to being able to have faith that I'm going to ask you to do something that may seem impossible. You may say, but but where's this going to happen? Or how's that going to happen? And we may not always know. Abraham was told to go where he didn't know where he was going and his faith was rewarded. We are going to get out of the boat. It's on the wood. It's out there. Okay? They're there for a reason. They are who we are. And you know what? We're going to have to be willing, even when the storm rages, to be willing. If Jesus said, come, we will come. And he will provide the rest. But that means you're going to have to change how you see things. That means I'm going to have to change how I see things. That means when I get that, re- that, that report and I look at it and I go, but God, I'll take that but God and say, no, 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 no. God has got us. God is in control and we are good. Because he is with us. He will equip us. If he's asked us to do something, he will do what we need. he needs to do to make that happen. And then finally, number three. 
we need to take what is in our hands and put it into the hands of Jesus. Look at Matthew 14, 18. After all this has happened, they have the, the loaves and the fish. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Jesus says, bring them here. Then he told the people to sit down on the ground. Breaks, breaks it, passes them out. And a big miracle happens. And although this story is recorded slightly different in John, I believe it's John, I wrote it down, John 6. Yeah, John 6. In John 6, we, we see the story of this little boy. Now, as, as a father of a little boy, as a person who, who hang, hung out with teenagers for, for a very long time, I've always been intrigued by the little boy. I've always been very interested in the little boy. Because I can just see this picture. I can see this little guy. We're not quite sure how old he was, um, but he was obviously a boy. And, and so probably under the age of 13. So he's probably there. His mom is hanging out with him. And his mom says, okay, uh, or what do you want to do today? I want to go see Jesus. I heard Jesus is coming. And he says, okay, well, here, here, here's your little lunch. And just like a mother would today, she packs her son this little lunch of five loaves and two fish. And he grabs him up in whatever he carried him in, a bag or a knapsack or something. And off he goes to hear Jesus. And so he's sitting there and he's learning and having a great time. And all of a sudden, this call comes out. What do we have to eat? There's nothing to eat. What's going on? Maybe I always picture this little boy really close to Jesus and the disciples. So in John especially, he's hearing this conversation of how we're going to feed these people. What are we going to do? Now, I want you to stop and I want you to think about something here for a minute. There is 5,000 men, possibly 15 to 20,000 people. I have a very hard time believing that no one else had any food. Just common sense would say somebody brought something. And all of a sudden the call goes out, who's got food? And I can just see adults and I can see other people and they got their food and they're kind of doing one of these numbers. Uh, I, I, got, I, got, I got nothing. I got nothing. Did you bring something? No. Do you smell fish? No, I, don't, I, I, haven't, I haven't bathed recently. Ah, uh, that's me. Come on, folks. People are people. And this one little boy. I got my lunch. I got, I got something to give. You know why probably a lot of these adults or other people did not give their lunch? They were way too logical. Now, I like logic. I am a big fan of logic. I am too logical at times. But they looked at their little lunch and they said, how can my little make a difference in all these people's lives? And so they crabbed it and they held it and they didn't share it. And they held tight. It took a little boy. Faith like a child to say, Jesus, if you want it, you can have it. If that food had stayed in the hands of the little boy, they all would have left hungry. 
But when we take what we have, even though it may be small, even though we think it's insignificant, and we take it and we put it in the hands of Jesus, amazing things can take place. And sometimes that means that we're going to have to kind of get out of our logical mind slightly. We're going to have to understand that it might not make sense. The need is too great. But when we give what we have to Jesus, we put it in his hands, and he begins to break it, and he begins to bless it, then all of a sudden we begin to see a miracle take place. Why aren't there more miracles in the church today? I will say because too many Christians have grabbed a hold of their lunch, they put it behind their back and said, I want mine, I don't care if you have yours. I want to make sure I'm fed. I want to make sure things are the way I want them to be. I want my style. I want the pastor to preach the way I want him to preach. I want the bulletin to look like this. Instead of being willing to say, you know what, it's not about me. And if Jesus, if you need my lunch, you can have it. Jesus, if you want to do something great with me, you can have it. It may not make sense. It doesn't always, I don't always understand. But if you want it, it's yours. When I was a little kid, I remember hearing this story. My pastor would tell it. And there was a story that he would always tell about an older gentleman and he was walking on the beach. Some of you maybe have heard this story. And he was walking on the beach one morning. And, and I don't understand the ocean very well. I'm not a huge fan of the ocean. But somehow the tide had come in or something like that. And it washed ashore just, just thousands, tens of thousands of starfish. And obviously, again, I'm not really good at this sort of stuff. But if they couldn't get back to the water, they'd die. They'd die. And so in this story, this man is walking and he looks out and he sees a little boy. And the little boy, every once in a while, he's reaching down and he picks up a starfish and he throws it into the water. And remember, there's tens of thousands. I mean, there's all sorts of these things. And he reaches down and throws another one in. Takes a few more steps, throws another one. In. And, and the older man walks up to the young boy and says, he says, son, do you have a minute? And the little boy said, yeah, what? What can I do? And he said, he said, can I ask you a question? And the little boy said, sure. He said, he said, what are you doing? And the little boy said, well, I'm, 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 I'm throwing starfish back into the water. And the older gentleman looked at him and said, he said, son, there's, there's 10, there's 10,000, there's thousands of these things. You realize that you're never going to be able to save them all. You're never going to be able to get them all back in the water. The sun is coming up. They're going to die. You're not going to be able to make much of a difference. You're not going to be able to make much of an impact. And the little boy reaches down and picks up a starfish. And he looks at it and he throws it into the water. He looks at the man and he said, I made a difference for that one. You know, I think one thing we need to understand is this. God has not called us to save all the starfish. God maybe has called us to save the one. If the worship team would come back up, I'm going to close with this. 
Maybe there's just one. I want you to stop and I want you to think. I had you look around earlier. Can you imagine what would happen if everyone in this room just made a difference for one? Just one. Poured their heart into one. Ministered to one. Cared about one. Led one to Jesus. Can you imagine what that would be? Can you imagine how that would change this place and this community? And then those people said, I, I, just, I just want one. I just want one. And you go, go but, but, but Aaron, I don't have much to give. I just got five loaves and two fish. When we take what we have and we put it in the hands of God, something miraculous takes place. Something major takes place. You go, but Aaron, but Aaron, no, 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 no. Stop listening to the lies of the enemy. You are equipped. God has called us to go. He wasn't just speaking to those disciples in Matthew 26 when he says, go and make disciples. He wasn't talking to just the young. He wasn't talking to just the old. He was talking to us all. Is it easy? No, it's not always easy. Is it convenient? No, it's not always convenient. But maybe it's time to start with the one. Maybe it's time to start pouring into the one. And you go, but Aaron, it's so big. There's so much. Yeah, so start with the one. Find the one. Let God speak to your heart. Because there is a one. I believe this with everything inside of me. There is a one for all of us. But it's so big. It's so huge. Pick up the one and throw him in the water. Save the one. Listen, next week is Easter. I saw a statistic that said like something like 80% of people that were asked in this, this survey said if they were asked to go to church on Easter by someone they knew, they would come. 80%. There are going to be people that are going to be sitting at home next week that would have rather been someplace and didn't because someone didn't walk up to them and say, I want you to come with me. This isn't about handing them a track. This isn't about shouting at them. This is saying, you matter. You're my friend. I want you to come with me. I want you to be my guest. Who's the one? Who's the one? Because I truly believe that God has given us all one. Maybe God's given you more, but let's start with the one. Listen, we can't do this without you. I can't do this without you. God desires to use us. But I promise you this. No one will be fed if everybody holds on to their own lunch. It's going to have to be us all being willing to let it go. Is it going to be comfortable? It might not be. Is it going to be easy? It probably won't be. Will they say something mean to you like, no thank you? Yeah, they just might. But it's time, it is time for us to start taking what we're learning and starting to apply it in the real world. This whole series 
has been about understanding that. It's been understanding that this is not where we're at. We got to go out there. We got to make a difference out there. I'm glad you're here. I'm thrilled you're here. But if all we do is do stuff here, we are failing. We got to do it out there. And I don't work where you work. I don't go to school where you go to school. They won't let me in. They have security. But you can get in there. You have friends. You have acquaintances that are desperate for Jesus. And you've got to open your eyes. Get your focus off yourself and focus on them and go, you know what? You need him. You need Jesus. And I can introduce him to you. I used to tell my kids all the time, when I go into your school, when I walk in, everybody's on high alert. But they know you. They trust you. Maybe it's time to let them into one of the most important parts of your life. Is it scary? Yeah, it might be scary, but it's time. This is a perfect opportunity. This is a perfect moment to say, you know what? I'm going to be at church on Sunday. I'd love for you to come. I'd love for you to be here. Take them out to lunch afterward. Do whatever you got to do. Just make sure that you focus in on the one. There is no excuse not focusing on the one. I'm not asking you to get a hundred people here. I'm not asking you to stand on the street corner with a sign and a Bible and wave it at people. I'm saying find someone you know that God has laid on your heart, probably somebody you've been praying about for a long time, and start actually saying, no, it's more, it's time to speak, it's time to act, it's time to do. You go, but they'll find out I'm not perfect. Trust me, they already know. It's time. It's time to reach down, find your starfish, and get it in the water. It's time to let go of your lunch and let God do something amazing with it. It's time to stop allowing outsiders to be outsiders and bring them in. Do not be a Pharisee. It's time. So right now, here's what I'd like to do. I want you just to be fair. Can you just close your eyes? I want you to focus, okay? Because I believe even as I've been sharing these, these things with you, God has already begun. If there's not one in your mind right now, God is already beginning to put that person in your heart. Some of you, if I pointed at you and you were honest, I'd say, what's their name? And you could tell me immediately. You could go, it's, it's Johnny. It's Veronica. I don't know their name. It's just, it's just, you would know immediately. Some of them are family. Some of them are friends. And God has placed them on your heart. God has said, I want to do a miracle inside of them. Will you give me your lunch? Will you be willing to lay it down? Will you be willing to understand it may not be convenient? Will you be willing to understand that I will equip you and I will give you the words to say? You've got to remember, Jesus doesn't ask us to do something he doesn't equip us to do. And he asked every single one of us to go and make disciples and share with them the good news. And in this moment, and in this time, people are more open than they have ever been. 
You go, but Aaron, our world is so angry. Our world is so destroyed. Our world is so conflicted. Yeah, what a perfect time for the Prince of Peace. What a perfect time for someone that will say, I'll love you in your mess. I'll love you in your anger, and I'll fix you. What a perfect time for all these things. But if we as Christians hold on to our lunch, worry about our own stuff, the world will continue to go to hell in a handbasket. And God hasn't called us to be separate. God has called us to be light and salt and to change the situation. And so right now, I want you to focus on that one. If you don't know a one, I want you to pray right now. God, show me the one. Show me the one right now. And I want you to get that person in your noggin. I want you to look at them. I want you to see them. I want you to see their hair color. I want you to see their eye color. I want you to look and I want you to see everything about them. And I want you to let that image just burn in your mind for just a second. Because as I was putting this together and as I was saying, God, how do we close this? This is what I believe he said. This is the direction that he wanted us to go. And I want you to see that person in your mind. And I want you to, in your mind's eye, in your mind's heart, in your mind, whatever, how you say that, I want you to, to literally say, not out loud, in your own mind, in your own heart, you are my one. Say it, inside. You are my one. You are my one. Say it. And now I want you to look at them. And not only if you mean this, if you don't mean this, don't say it, don't be a liar. Okay? I want you, as you're looking at them and seeing them, I want you to say these words. I will. Do everything I can to bring you home to Jesus. I will not let an inconvenience or a burden keep me from sharing God's love with you. I will reach out. I will pour out. I will do all that God has asked me to do to bring you home. I will be there for you. I will minister to you. I will pray for you. And I will not stop until I go home or you do. I make this commitment to my God, to my Savior, and to you. I will not stop. I will be stubborn. And I believe that you will find hope and you will find love and you will find joy and those things will be found in Jesus Christ. I believe. I believe. I believe that you will no longer be an outsider. You will be a child of God. So, Father, right now, Father, as we have committed ourselves, most importantly to you, but to those individuals, that one that you have placed in our heart, that, Father, we will commit to do all we can to be used by you at any time, any situation, any circumstance. And then in that moment, Father, 
We will be willing to give whatever we got and put it in your hands and allow you to do the miracle and allow you to do the thing that only you can do, which is bring something dead back to life again. And Father, we will not hesitate. We will not wait around. We know the hour is late and we will respond in accordance to that. So Father, equip us. Father, anoint us. Father, take control of our situations and our circumstances. Put us in direct contact with those individuals in ways that are unexplainable other than by your providence and your plan. And Father, I pray that your name would be made great, that your glory would be on display. And Father, I pray for souls. I pray that people that do not know you will come to know you. And that your name would be glorified. And your name would be made great in this place and in this community and in this area. We give it to you. We love you and we thank you. You're so good. You're so